Welcome to NDTR Spotlight, a show where we highlight former and current NDTRs. And NDTR, if you don't know, stands for Nutritionist Diet Technician Registered. They also go by the credential DTR, which stands for Diet Technician Registered. In order to become an NDTR, you have to graduate from an accredited program, take an exam, and participate in continual education. Welcome to NDTR Spotlight. I'm your host, Marie Lorraine. Today, we have a really fun interview. A couple weeks ago on Instagram, I asked what the NDTR audience wanted to know about NDTRs, and the response was really just about private practice, entrepreneurship, and scope of practice as an NDTR. So after doing some digging and having that in the back of my mind, I ran across Nutrition by Irene, who is an NDTR with a private practice. She posted this really informative post on what an NDTR was, and which you know spiked my interest a little bit more. I had been following her for a little bit, but I reached out to her and asked her if she would be willing to be spotlighted, and she graciously agreed um, to be on NDTR Spotlight. So she's going to shine light on what it's like having a private practice and just a little showing into what she's doing as a NDTR with a private practice. She does more than just, more than just nutrition. If you check out her website here, she also does finding joy in movement and being physically active, body acceptance, lactation support, navigating the healthcare system, local referrals, and mental health resources. So she is, she's doing, she's doing it all as an NDTR. And I'm really, really excited for this interview. And she also, also real quick, she has articles that talk about race and nutrition in a way that is informative and, and, um, brings up important conversation. She has links to articles on white people and food, white supremacy and yoga, diet culture rooted in racism articles, and just things that make you think. So this is an interview to watch if you are thinking about doing a private practice or you you're you want to talk about that nutrition and how it's related to race and how Americans are handling this conversation of nutrition and race. So do yourself a favor, grab a notepad. Irene is going to give us some really great free information. And so let's, let's meet this infamous Irene. Thank you so much for that intro. Oh, <laughs> that was I'm amazing. So blown away by everything you're, and those articles. Oh my, I'm excited. I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> but we have to start with, with the normal question. What made you get into um, DTR, becoming a DTR? I think a lot of different reasons actually led me to taking the DTR exam ultimately. Um, I think the first one, honestly, was I had finished, I just finished undergrad um, for nutrition and dietetics. um, And I went to school like a little bit later in life. Like I didn't go right out of high school. um, So I was like, in my mid twenties when I graduated. Um, so I was like going to school full time and working full time, like all at once. (laughs) Um, so it was a lot. And I was, by the end of it, I was just like really burnt out. Um, and I think like burnout is just really common within health professions. Um, especially like med students, um, because there's just such like a huge emphasis on grades and GPA and stuff like that, which can be like really stressful. Um, So yeah, I graduated and I was just like, I don't think I can dive right into like 
the RD path and like an internship and grad school. Um, not to mention like, <laughs> not to like dive into all this right off the bat, but it's like, I had student debt for my undergrad degree um, as well. So, and I knew that the internship was gonna cost money um, and I would be even more in debt. <laughs> um, so I was like, I just think, um, you know, based on what I want to do with nutrition, which is not clinical nutrition and medical nutrition therapy, I just think like the DTR path matches more what I want to do. Um, and I didn't want like, just because the RD like looks better, you know, on the resume and things like that. I didn't want that to be like what ultimately informed um, my choices and go more with like, what felt like it matched my preferences and my like um, goals. That is such a good perspective that the debt and then what are you going to do with nutrition? Having that honest conversation with yourself is so important. And a lot of people just feel forced to go for that RD, but DTR might just be what they need to be successful. So when you became, so how long did it take you to study for the exam and when did you become an NDTR? I think I took the DTR exam like a couple months after I graduated from school um, because that was just like when you could schedule it. Um, so, and like when I was in school, they kind of like promoted the DTR exam as like, you can take this right away. Like, when you're done with school, you can just dive right in. And a lot of my professors were saying like, oh, you can, you all can pass the DTR exam right now if you sat down and took it. Like, so it was very much like, oh, this is a breeze. Like, so I honestly like didn't really study, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, you know, it's what it is, but I did end up passing. <laughs> um, I mean, I looked over stuff like a little bit, but I didn't like go crazy with studying or anything. Um, but then I like sat down to take the exam and I was like, this is like the real deal, you know? Um, <laughs> and it was harder than I thought it was going to be. And it took me like hours and hours to finish. Um, but yeah, I did. I did end up passing. So thank God. Well, that's cool that you didn't have that pressure. A lot of the, I think a lot of the nerve wracking with the nerve nervous part of the NDTR credential is like the scariness of the test. So having that confidence going in clearly worked for you. <laughs> so that's a good study strategy. <laughs> I love it. So NDTR, how did you decide to, when did you decide to do your own private practice and open up your, co your coaching? business I actually started the private practice during COVID um because I had like all this extra time on my hands and I was just I was like I'm unemployed and it was something that I've been like thinking about doing for a while and I had sort of like given like friends some nutrition advice and I started following like other dietitians um, on Instagram that have like 
private practices. And I was just like, you know what? Now's the time I'm free to just do anything at the moment. Um, So yeah, that's when I started that. But prior to the private practice, I like right after I got my DTR exam, I, or my credential, I um, worked at WIC. So women, infant and children. So I did that for a full year after I got my credential. Um, and that was in North St. Louis. I live in St. Louis. I don't know if you knew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was in like North City. Um, and I worked at like a few different, I would kind of like rotate between a few different just healthcare clinics um, around there. So, yeah. Nice. So you took, it sounds like you took advantage of COVID (laughs) and made something great out of that. But quickly, how was your experience working um, at WIC? You want to talk about that a little bit for our audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I was working with, I mean, obviously, like, if you know what WIC is, they provide food um, vouchers for people who, it's sort of like SNAP, but for pregnant people, um, breastfeeding people, infants, and children under five. So the communities that I was working with um, were just like suffering with a lot of food insecurity, um, not to mention like all the other traumas that come with just not having your like basic needs met. So it was a really good experience. It was really, it ended up being really draining um, because I would see like, I would see up to like 30 patients a day sometimes, just like back to back to back doing nutrition counseling. So I would have like, sometimes it would be like five minutes with them. Sometimes it would be like 15 minutes, just like depending on what their needs were. Um, and there was a lot of high risk people, um, that I worked with. So yeah, just not a lot of time to like decompress between counseling patients. Um, but I really did like love working with, um, the people that I worked with and I felt like it was really eye opening. um, the role almost ended up like sometimes you would feel more like a social worker than a nutritionist because it's like when people's basic needs aren't met and they have like all this other stuff going on they're not as concerned with nutrition which makes like total sense so sometimes I would like end up functioning more as like um someone who could like refer them to whether it's like healthcare that they needed or they need to get diapers somewhere for free or just like basic things. Um, And I think like one of my main goals when I was working there was just like, I wanted to be like a provider that they could trust because I feel like there's so much like mistrust within like, 
that community and like poor communities, people of color and um, healthcare providers. Um, so I was like, I just wanna, you know, show that like, I know this dynamic exists. I know like why it exists and it's totally valid. Um, and if I could like just be somebody that they could trust and talk to, um, I felt like that was everything. Um, but at the same time, that kind of opened up like the floodgates of like them telling me, you know, stories and trauma that they've been through. Um, so I ended up, there's something called like secondary trauma that happens with like caretaking professions a lot where it's like the trauma is passed from the um the person to you to like the provider and then you kind of like carry that around with you um and if you don't like learn how to kind of like release those things then it can just be like really heavy and really draining so yeah so that was kind of like my experience there <laughs> and I don't think all WIC jobs are like that but just this like particular um community that I was working with uh yeah it was rough so and then towards the end of my time there I experienced some sexual harassment not from my clients or patients but from coworkers. um and so yeah, so I ended up I ended up like making the hard decision to speak up about it and tell my boss and then my boss didn't really wasn't on the same page as me and didn't like didn't have my back. So yeah, so that was a learning experience and I was kind of like it's time to move on <laughs> from this job. Um and it, I kind of learned to like this is why people maybe why people don't speak up about these things because you never know how your um your boss or the people above you are going to respond to it um and whether or not they're going to be supportive so yeah that sounds that's heavy that's a lot a lot of stuff. I wasn't expecting that. But the way you talked about it, I do have to say, it sounds like you listened and you learned and you you heard stories and you didn't brush it off like your boss did. Like you, you, you know, so I think it speaks volumes to who you are as a person. And I want to bring up, so now you have your private practice that you're doing that you started with COVID. How has your experience at WIC affected how you set up your private practice? Yeah, I think, well, I think I learned so much at WIC um, and it kind of helped me just like put nutrition in perspective of like what health is. Like nutrition is just like one small piece of a person's overall health. Um, and so I think that definitely informed like how I approach um, counseling clients now, which is like, of course, I think nutrition is important. And like, I think eating healthy can have an impact on your health. But at the same time, like, there's 
there's so much more to it. Like, for one, like, are your basic needs being met? Um, and then there's stress, there's physical activity, there's just, like, mental and emotional health. Um, so sometimes I think people are trying to, like, use nutrition as, like, okay, this is going to, like, solve all my problems. And it's, like, if the root of the problem is in one of these other like areas, like if you're not sleeping, if you're not getting like a full night's sleep, um, that can really affect your overall health. And also just like access to food, um, access to healthy foods and not just healthy foods, but foods that you're, foods that you're used to and foods that um, are culturally appropriate um, for you. So, yeah, yeah. I really like that that awareness that nutrition is not going to save everything. That you have to approach a person as a whole person, and there's so much involved in healthcare. So, with that thought process, when you're counseling or you're working with your with your patients. What is your approach on, on dealing with these other issues and how do you stay within your scope of practice as an NDTR when you're touching on all these very important issues that should not be overlooked? Um, yeah, so with individual people, um, I have to say like I haven't, I haven't had very many clients who are in like that lower, well, not necessarily, but who are in like that lower income bracket is what I was going to say. Just because, like I said before, I don't think that that's something that is necessarily at like the front of their mind um, always. So as far as working with people, I think I always try to keep like my scope of practice in mind and just making sure that I make referrals like when it's appropriate. So another thing that was really helpful about WIC is we made like tons of referrals and we had like all these brochures of local resources. So if I do have a client that needs one of those things or is like even just looking for a primary care provider that um, is health at every size friendly um, or something like that, I can kind of go to like my resources and find something that I feel like would be helpful for them. So, and then just always like when you're, when I'm counseling, I like to like always put like the disclaimer on it and be like, but let's look at all the other aspects of health too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not like selling it as a quick fix or a, you know, this is definitely going to solve all your problems. Yeah. So that makes sense. So having the referrals and then just having that, making your client aware that nutrition is, or nutrition is not, the only thing for your health, but there's other things to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you have a focus, it looks like on intuitive eating. Is that correct? 
Yeah. So what made you kind of focus in on that aspect of nutrition? Yeah. So intuitive eating, which I'm sure like, you know what it is. (laughs) I feel like it's really big on Instagram. That's like how I first learned about it actually. I mean, I was like, Ooh, what's this? I felt like it, I felt like all through school, like my undergrad was really like nutrition wise. It was really traditional. So like there was no like intuitive eating, no mindful eating. It was very much like weight management focused and um, just all those like traditional ways of like going about nutrition. So when I found intuitive eating, I was like, I feel like this aligns with like what I felt like was missing. Um, And I just feel like it's really, I just felt like it was really inclusive, um, which I liked and didn't focus so much on like an intentional weight loss aspect. Um, So yeah, as far as working with people, Oh, sorry, sorry. What I was gonna, what I was gonna say before, what when I was like, do you know, you know what intuitive eating is? Um, so intuitive eating is just eating in accordance with your body's natural hunger and satiety cues. Um, so working with patients or clients, um, it's focusing on like how can they become more aligned with and in tune with um, their body's natural like signals. So instead of using like external cues to tell them when they're gonna eat like a calorie counting app or in according to like food rules that they have, just like we all have so many food rules and like in the back of our mind that we don't realize. Um, So just helping kind of go away from those external cues and kind of back to trusting your body. So, yeah. Yeah, that was very well, very well explained. And I think that's super um, relevant. It's something that is, yeah, it is popular on Instagram, but you definitely have to take time to learn it and understand it and incorporate it. It's like a whole new way of thinking about food and it can be challenging. Definitely. Um, And I think if like you don't fully take the time to learn about it, it can kind of backfire. (laughs) Like if, you know, because some people who don't fully know what it is think like, if I just let myself eat whatever I want all the time and just give myself like that unconditional permission to eat, I'm just going to go like hog wild and just eat like everything inside (laughs) that's not actually you know how it ends up going down but I actually um have taken like a couple of courses with London Center of Intuitive Eating so that's kind of like how I got my um training in intuitive eating um and that's the director of that is Laura Thomas um which she's kind of like big on Instagram too and she wrote a book called Just Eat It 
That's cool. So I like that you've taken the time to really dig into intuitive eating. It sounds like you probably know way more about it than I could ever imagine myself knowing. Um, so switching a little bit from intuitive eating, I know NDTR audience are going to be curious about the process of setting up your website and finding clients and how has, I know you started pretty recently, but how has that, how has that been? Yeah, it's been fun. Um, it's been fun because I have the extra time or I've had the extra time because of COVID. Um, I think if like it wasn't COVID and I was just living my like regular life working, I think it'd be stressful like to just have all those extra things to do because it just takes time to kind of like, it's kind of like a trial and error thing. It takes time to figure out like what works and what doesn't. Um, which I think can be like really intimidating for people who tend to wait. Like, I feel like I used to be one of those people that kind of like waited till it's absolutely perfect to like do it or start it or put something out there. Um, But with this, I was kind of just like, "Eh, it's going to be like, it's going to evolve over time and that's fine. And it's not going to be perfect right away. So I've kind of just been learning like what works and what doesn't, but I first, the first thing I did was start my website um, and I used Squarespace just because that's like all the ads that I've heard yeah. on podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Squarespace, build it beautiful or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I used Squarespace. It was pretty easy. But even with that, there's like a learning curve Um, because I'm not like a naturally, I'm not like skilled at graphic design or anything really on the computer. I mean, I know I'm obviously like a millennial, so I know the basics, but. (laughs) Well, your website looks Uh, great. So you're fooling me with your lack of knowledge there. I think it looks good. (laughs) Yeah. So I use Squarespace. Um. And then I, yeah, I did a ton of research on like the scope of practice of an NDTR, mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot of people are not super aware of, like even nutrition professionals are not super aware of like what a DTR can do. And I found like with that research, I was like, I can do a lot like DTRs can do so much like um because I just want to make sure like before I started a private practice is this something that I'm like with that's within my credential um to be able to counsel people and like where does that like scope of practice stop um just so I can like make sure that if I need to refer somebody to an RD um, that I'm doing that at like the appropriate times. So I did all that research on the, I think on like the Eat Right Pro or or Eat Right website. Um, Yeah, and there's like tons of resources. Like if you dig deep, there's like all these articles and that they've put out. that explain 
very like detailed and specifically what the difference between an RV and a DTR is. That's helpful. So are all of those resources on the eatright.org website and you just have to just do some clicking around? Or did you find them somewhere else? Do you I'm what's the other website that's like officially our there's eat right and then there's journal I think I looked on like journal of nutrition and dietetics too okay but everything that I found was like within the it's all like resources that the academy of nutrition and dietetics has but I think I still have some of those so I can like I'll look after this and I can send you. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll let them, I'll let put all the information down in the comments section of the video. I'm sure people would really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what else? I did get liability insurance. Um, so like within all those resources, there's instructions for how to, and what insurance you should have. Um, and where to get it and just to make sure that like everything's covered. Um, and then I got like a small business license from the city of St. Louis where I live. So I just I was like, I just need to, I just want to have all like the bases covered before I actually start this. And I had the time to do it. So I think with the insurance and the, um, business license it was like 200 something dollars total like so not you know not super expensive yeah that's awesome so what I what I gathered is you you get a website <laughs> you do your research on your scope of practice and then you get like the boring things the insurance and the liability which are super important for that foundation which super helpful information. So then you have all of this stuff now. What was the process in, in, you know, picking your prices and trying to find clients? Can you give a little, um, little spiel on that? Yeah. Um, so picking the prices was, I think I've, I've changed them a couple of times since I started to, um, because I wanted it to be accessible, but I also didn't want to like, you know, you see all these things online, like don't like devalue the work of a nutritionist or a dietitian by making your prices too low. And it does take like, it takes time to work with a client, especially like when you first, like that initial counseling session and especially starting as like a, a relatively new um, business, it's kind of, it takes time to like prepare for that appointment and then time to like actually do the appointment. So yeah, so I wanted to make those prices like appropriate, as appropriate as possible while still trying to make it accessible for people because that that was like part of my mission you know um so I think I yeah I just did like more research online and I looked at what other 
nutrition counselors have set their prices at <laughs> just to see like what the like you know like what's the ballpark um and I looked on like some of those some of those websites that list uh practitioners like all different kinds of practitioners I think one was called there's one called like well set one called like chara chara health so you can look on there and like go through providers in your area and see what their prices are so I kind of use that for like just a benchmark and then later on I added like a pay what you can option um because just yeah just thinking about like accessibility and I wanted as many people I didn't want that to be like a barrier for some people especially starting out where it's like I don't have that many clients um so I have like time and space to be able to um give to people so and that's the thing too is like when people are like oh if you have to pay what you can everyone's gonna like no matter how much money they have or how much money they make, everybody's going to use that pay what you can. But I think it's not really like that. I think people, people who have the money actually pay the full price. And then people who don't and need like that support, they can take advantage of it. So I, I've found that even though I've added the pay what you can, most people still pay the full price. So. That is, wow, you're super informative. I feel like people are getting a lot of good information from everything you're just giving out for free. So I really appreciate your transparency and honesty. And it's really cool seeing you have this theme of like being aware of other people and other people's situations and just, I guess, this wokeness for lack of a better term. Um, so I want to I bring up the articles that you have shared on your your LinkedIn tree with um, diet culture and all of this. How, what is your perspective or what is your approach? You kind of talked about this a little bit, but your approach on, on nutrition and, and racism in this country and how you, how you're approaching and attacking that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's, I think, well, so you had a question on your, um, Thing talking about like diversity in the field yeah um so i think there definitely is a huge problem with diversity and just racism in general within the dietetics profession um and not only with like not only just the fact that like dietitians are mostly white but it's how dietitians, like the lack of education and lack of knowledge and lack of awareness um, in those providers and how they make recommendations to clients um, who might be like from different cultures. Um, and just like, just being aware that like, if a, if a food is not like inherently white, um, it doesn't need to automa automatically be labeled as unhealthy. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, like, 
a lot of dietitians will see food from a different culture and automatically think like bad, unhealthy, like because not because it is, but because it's different. Um, and like vice versa, you don't have to eat. You don't have to eat white food to be healthy. So like you don't have to eat quinoa. You don't have to eat kale. <laughs> you don't have to eat things that aren't familiar to you, that aren't comforting to you. Um, and I think that's just like that's like a it's it's been. Um, What, what am I trying, trying to say? Like, like that's, that's a, a, it's been, been overlooked. Like, that's a, a spot where dietitians have to do, like, a lot of, a lot more um, research and education and, just, like, and just being intentional about that. Like, not everybody eats the food that you eat. <laughs> um, and that's okay, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's that, that and then there's also, like, I said earlier about, um, dietitians being mostly white, um, and I think that has to do with, like, it not being that accessible to become a RU or DPR, so... Like, it costs money to go to, it costs tons of money to go to get your undergrad. And then it costs even more money to do an internship. And then the match rate for that internship is, like, 50%. So you have to be, like, you have to get, like, full-blown straight A's, like, 4.0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, that's not true. true. Well, but that's what they that's what they push. That's what they pressure. So it's really competitive. Um, and then beyond that, I just think like universities need to start pushing more diversity in the student population. Um, and not just diversity, but like anti-racism um, and hiring more diverse staff too. Um, because if students don't see, like, themselves reflected in, like, their advisors, um, they're going to be less likely to go for a degree like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's complicated, but <laughs> I think first and foremost, like, if you're a white provider in like the space of nutrition and dietetics I think it's you have a responsibility to be able to counsel people who are not just like you because then you're missing a whole you're missing a whole group of people who aren't getting what they need from you and what you're supposed to um provide for them so yeah yeah I I love that I think your point of saying like 
sometimes when we have people have this conversation, there's like this idea that like white people are terrible, which is not the case. I think what's important is just understanding that like there's different cultures and there's different foods and being aware that what you're eating is not, you shouldn't put that on everybody. everybody. I think when you're so saturated in this field, you kind of practice what you preach and you just want to push that on everyone else. And having that awareness and the understanding can make you be able to work with with any population, you know? Like me as an African-American woman, if I'm working with a highly Asian population, I need to learn their food and their culture and be mindful of that. So I really appreciate that your your perspective on that and then just your understanding and your heart to listen. You've given us so much information about starting a private practice, this, this idea, working at WIC and um, just wokeness in the field of nutrition. Is there anything else you want to leave with the audience? Any words of encouragement for anyone interested in starting an NDTR private practice or um, this conversation on race? I think, you know, I think if you're thinking about it, just go for it. I mean, I think as a DTR, it can be really like, am I allowed to do this? Like, I think there's a lot of, um, what's the word for when you, oh, imposter syndrome. And also I think that that is partly because of like the lack of, um, I just think that DTR credential is really underutilized and underpromoted. So people don't know like what you can do as a DTR. Um, so yeah, I think, I really think like we have so much knowledge and experience and yeah, it might be, it's, it might be like intimidating to be like, oh, I'm just an NDTR or whatever. But hopefully I think just with like how competitive the um, RD internship is and just more people kind of like becoming aware of how expensive it is and um, how much like debt you're taking on I hope that like more people will utilize this path um, because if you don't want to work in a hospital or practice medical nutrition therapy then I think DTR is like a great option so yeah I don't know just go for it <laughs> that's super encouraging and so lastly I mean how do people find you how do people like kind of stalk you and see what you're doing online you can follow me at nutrition by Irene on Instagram and my website is nutritionbyirene.com and we will link this down below Thank you everyone for watching. Please let us know something you took away from this interview and make sure you check out Irene online and we'll see you in our next NDTR Spotlight.